Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. You've got questions, we've got answers. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, we're bringing real answers to help you live and love your grit and grace life. Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. I'm Darlene Brock. <laughs> I tried to make a school bell ring, but... <laughs> But my mouth is still cold from my shake. Bring back to school. I'm Julie Bender. No, not your favorite. Dang it. Actually, In my I head, that was going to be it. awesome. Uh, it is awesome, Julie. Uh, if you didn't know, she was doing a school bell because we're going to be talking about back to school today. Wow, that was a massive flop. <laughs> if you're still listening, hurry. Let's get to the funny things from the internet and save the day. This is something Lily Tomlin said. I like a teacher who gives you something to take home to think about besides homework. Mm, there you go. Yep. How about this from Doug Larson? Home computers are being called upon to perform many new functions, including the consumption of homework formerly eaten by the dog. Did you ever say eaten by the so dog? True. No, thank God. I never had a dog. I mean, maybe my cats like peed on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never said it either. I just went, whoops, didn't mm. do it. Nope, forgot that. All right, here's some advice for kids. On the first day of school, you've got to be real careful where you sit. You walk into the classroom, plunk your stuff down on any old desk, and the next thing you know, your teacher is saying, I hope you all like where you're sitting, because that will be your permanent seat. Now, Jeff uh, Kenny said that, and I guess he had that experience. I did, too. I remember mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Do you? I feel like nowadays, though, the kids' like seats are assigned before they get there. Oh. At least it's been that way for Lincoln. You know what? That makes a lot of sense. Every, and I every think, year for him. I think you're right. I know when Chelsea was teaching, my daughter was teaching, she, she put names on chairs. And then after a while, learning who talked to whom and who didn't talk to whom, moved them around. Yeah, I was going to say, Lincoln has also been changed like every quarter. <laughs> Maybe it's just my kid, though. <laughs> Ooh, how about this from E.C. McKenzie? Some students drink at the fountain of knowledge. Others just gargle. I would say I was a gargler. <laughs> if I liked it, I drank it. If I didn't, it kind of spewed Ooh. out, I think. That's an odd Yeah, it is picture. odd. <laughs> As a student, the most comforting words you will ever hear are, I haven't started that either. I genuinely like breathe the sigh of relief reading that. Like, yes, I had so many of those moments, especially at the college level. Well, and I think in adult life, it's still mm. the same thing. I haven't started either. As long as there are tests, there will be prayer in school. It's true. So true, right? Yeah. Especially the ones I never studied for. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Nothing grieves a child more than to study the wrong lesson and learn something he wasn't supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> that is depressing. And last but not least, Walker Percy said, you can get all A's and still flunk life. I agree with that. For sure. It's For sure. true. And so, you know, school is not the end all and be all, but it is definitely part of our lives. Mm -hmm. And now that you're beginning a new school year, we kind of want to unpack that. Well, and I think it's important to remember that school is is part of your child's development and not just educationally. There are so many important facets. And as we come off the chaos of summer break and the joy of summer break and prepare for the chaos of school season, you know, I think we just want to kind of give some reminders and some encouragement and some, you got this, <laughs> you know, some, 
maybe this isn't our favorite season. You know, August, September can be a little bit stressful. But when we pause to remember the opportunities that school gives our kids or gives us opportunities to engage with our kids from the experiences they'll have, we can go in kind of prepared to maximize it instead of just being overwhelmed by it. So true, Julie. And also, I think there's a little bit of fear involved that your child is entering another year of influence and opinions and attitudes from teachers, classmates, curriculum, whatever. So you might have a little trepidation, and we want to address that as well. Yeah, so we want this to be very practical from emotional preparation to very, you know, step-by-step how to get your morning a little bit smoother, all the things. So where, where should we start? Let's start with literally how the day starts. How can we get out the door more smoothly? Because it is... It is, you know, it's like a, a struggle. It's a, the struggle is very freaking real. Yeah, it is. And, you know, you do it differently because you could be the working mom who does it in a way that she's trying to get out the door for her job, too. You could be the stay at home mom or you could be the stay at home mom who's homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And every one of these is different. Yeah, has different challenges for sure. Now, I was my entire children's growing up life I was a working mom Mm -hmm. so for me it was as much controlling my world as it was controlling theirs Mm -hmm. where I knew that you know I would be getting home later in their school day and I had to figure out how to deal with that and it changed as they grew up and then I had to also get my mind in gear to figure out how to address their world and at the same time mine So what were some of the things that you found were helpful with that? For me, it was routines. It was uh, following the same thing all the time and having, you know, a place at the door where we put everything, Mm -hmm. mine as well as theirs. And it was also not worrying about it all, not going, oh, because I'm not here, because I'm not doing the, I'm not there when they arrive home from school, I'm failing them. I finally went... I'm me being who I need to be, so I'll do it my way, which some days they went to Let It Shine, which was a (laughs) gymnastics place that was down the road, like four doors from my office building. I would pick them up at school, drop them at Let It Shine. I would go back to work. They would do their gymnastics and then after that, eat something, because I always gave them cash. Cash was great. <laughs> it was like, here, here's a few dollars. Let me have another 30 minutes. You eat a snack, and then you walk down to my office, and then we'll go home. So mm-hmm. I did that, you know, several days a week, and it helped. You just kind of have to create your own routine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, for sure. I mean, and I think you're right. It's every single parent-child scenario is going to be different. And then there's the element of it does change as the child grows and, you know, maybe changes activities or just gets older or changes schools. And I think there has to be some flexibility that comes with that. And, you know, trying new things. Maybe if you found what you did last year worked really well, then feel free to re-implement it and, you know, adjust as necessary. Or if it was horrible, don't think that all of a sudden it's going to work this year. It does, <laughs> like maybe yeah. you need to sit down and brainstorm with your kid. Hey, what do you think would be helpful for you in the morning to get out the door in the best mood possible? What are some things that help you feel ready for school in the morning? Well, you know, and as they get older, there's some things that you did for them 
that you no longer do for them and they can do for themselves mm -hmm. from, you know, packing their own lunch to, you know, whatever else that you think, all right, you're, you're age ready to do the next step. Let mm -hmm. them do it. For sure. And, and I think maybe it goes without saying, but let's just go ahead and say it. Do as much of the prep the night before as you can. Because as tired as you are the night before, you're more tired in the morning. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it is so true. There's not enough sleep for any mother mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we always said lay your clothes out the mm -hmm. night before. And Chelsea, my youngest, she would lay, literally lay them out like you wear them. There would be the shirt, the pants below it the socks below that, mm -hmm. the shoes below that. We said all you had to do was do a chalk outline. It would, it would look like a body had just <laughs> landed she have there. earrings like in the little she spot did. where her earrings were? I mean, it was amazing. the entire thing all laid out. I can't imagine, I guess, if Lincoln had the freedom to wear whatever he wanted. And now that we're in uniforms, it's just that genuinely does make it so much easier. Like he knows what he's going to wear every single day. He has two options just to get it on. But if your kid does have the freedom, then yeah, that can be something that is added to their night wind down. Get your mind ready to go to bed by preparing for the next day. Well, and I think you do find a landing place for everything. Backpacks for uh gym clothes for whatever get everything ready the night before and have a place it goes and for me I had to have that same place for my stuff because mm -hmm. I was a beast at losing <laughs> my purse my keys my phone my whatever it was so I actually had to create my landing place too yep. okay we kind of joked about homework in the beginning but I think you definitely also need to have a plan for when homework is I was talking to a friend this weekend and she said her daughter likes to do her homework in the morning. And I was like, wait, what? But she likes to get up before the rest of her house and have some quiet time and, you know, start her morning slower. And so she saves her homework to do then. And so maybe you need to think outside of the box what would work better for your scenario, but have a plan for when and where homework is done and when it's put back in the bags, because that's the last thing you need is chasing down homework in the morning or realizing it's not done. Wow, I can't even imagine having a child that wanted to do it in the right. morning. That's so interesting. I mean, it would stress me out going, are you going to get it done? Are you going to get it done? Are you going to get it done? But you're right. Understanding your right? child. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. All right. The backpack. The backpack is kind of the black hole of life. <laughs> I don't know how many times I found things in the bottom of the girls' backpacks that Ooh, I probably I don't put my hand in there. <laughs> <laughs> Not until it you comes are, home for summer break. <laughs> you are a wise woman, but you do find, you know, the papers you were supposed to sign or the notes you were mm -hmm. supposed to get, unless your school is really organized and has mm -hmm. a little folder it comes home in. But mine never made it there. They made it scrunched under everything else in the bottom of the bag. That's so true. Well, one thing I did last year that might be helpful is I finally, I mean, Lincoln was in third grade last year. So, like, I was super late to this game. I remember us discussing on this podcast that, like, starting kindergarten is a good time to start chores. Well, I didn't start until third grade. So, but it was awesome when I started. <laughs> and I created a little chart, and he had to accomplish certain things a certain number of times throughout the week. And one of the things he had to do five days a week was hang up his backpack and give me his planner because I'm required to sign his planner every single day. Well, it was on his chore chart, and he had to complete it five times a week, right, Monday through Friday. And when he did all of that, he earned a dollar for that section of his chore chart. And so wouldn't you know, it only took about a week and a half before he realized I'm not going to earn that dollar if I don't, when I get home, 
put my lunchbox on the counter and put my planner next to it so mom gets the lunchbox to clean and signs my planner. Love so that it. worked for us. Like there was an incentive and there was a process. He knew when it was supposed to be done and that checked off a potentially hectic thing of in the morning, did you sign my planner? I don't know, but now I don't have time to look for it or to sign it. Girl, oh, girl, that that was brilliant. Worth the dollar. <laughs> it was worth absolutely <laughs> worth the dollar. That was great. So really, whatever works for you, yeah. again, do it. But great tip, Julie. I like that I one. I mean, I think just finding, like you said, like a system that works and then getting your kid on board. I, we have found that Lincoln responds well to systems. And so if that's your kid, then use that to your advantage. If your kid is a little more, you know, the artistic, you know, uh, solo type, then you need to find a way to connect with them. But like you've always said, know your kid and find what works for them and works for you and then put it into practice and be consistent. Well, so again, back to do things the night before, everything you can think of, sports equipment, lunch money, paper signing, backpacks ready, your stuff ready, then your morning isn't quite as insane. But as Julie said, I think to do all of this well, you do have to know your child, but to know your child, you have to take some time and listen to them. Mm. You have to step back and give them an opportunity to tell you how things work for them, what makes it easier for them, what doesn't, what they feel stressed by, and then what, what they think they could do as far as, like, do your homework, or, you know, what time do I need to get up? What do I need to eat every morning? Let them give you input. And if you take the time to listen to them and incorporate some of their ideas, it makes it smoother. For sure. And I think something that always helps us in the morning. Now, we have a commute. So I recognize if you stay at home or if your kid rides the bus, you don't necessarily have that commute time. But to those who have a drive to school, I implemented you know, a, a short prayer when we pull into the school lot that's when we start praying. And I feel like that little consistent time, you know, I pray, I, I always lead that prayer time, you know, later in the day when we pray for bedtime, that's often when Lincoln will pray, but I always pray for him at the start of the day. And because we've had the, the talk time on the way to school, I kind of get a sense of if there's something he's worried about or thinking about, or if he has a test or whatever, and I can incorporate that into the prayer time and kind of speak some vision over him through praying. And I have found that that has been a really effective way for us to connect and also to get his mind ready to focus in on school. So that's worked well for me. I'm looking forward to using that again this year and just seeing as he's grown his engagement in that prayer time or, you know, suggesting things to include, it's been a really good connection point for us and, and using that car ride to listen to what's going on in, in his life and then using that prayer time to kind of help him transi transition from car time to school time. Julie, that's great. Um, I, I kind of wish I could say, yes, I did that as well, <laughs> but I didn't. No. I did uh, things like Make sure the elephant stampede doesn't run over you today. <laughs> or I would create preposterous statements. They would roll their eyes, and then they <laughs> would go on down the road to school. And actually, it lightened. For my daughters, especially the intense years, mm -hmm. they had to have something foolish and silly. Prayer might have been a better route, <laughs> no. but you know what? This is the one I chose, and it worked. Yeah. Well, and, and again, it's knowing what works for your kid, for sure. All right, so 
We can get them out the door. We could get their homework done. We can get our routines in place. But in today's world, there's kind of a whole nother level of preparation that I think you need to have. And that is, what is my child going to be learning and hearing and experiencing while they're at school? not just from teachers or curriculum, but from their peers who may live in a different household than you do. Well, they do, obviously, <laughs> but may have different input in their family than you have in yours. So there's a little bit of trepidation of, my child's leaving me for this many hours and what's going to be put into their mind and heart. Well, and I think that goes back to what you've said, like creating time and space where you're there just to listen um, and to be really careful to control your face as you're listening. Something I can work on. Like my reactions sometimes show that I'm surprised or offended or disappointed, um, but we have to be able to hear what they experience through the day and kind of process on our own before we immediately react and then be prepared to wise, wisely and carefully you know, give feedback to what they may have been taught about or told about that ideally maybe isn't something that you would prefer them to pick up um, and be able to kind of have that interactive discussion about those types of things. Well, and I do believe with all my heart that ultimately the parent is the biggest influence at different times. Other people's will come in and affect their attitudes. But you have them from the moment they're born or when they come into your home in whatever configuration they do. So you have the opportunity to teach them, mostly by example, but teach them the things that you believe and the things you stand for, whether it's honesty, integrity, or even your view of life. And we have a biblical view of life. And in, I think you don't run from that. You actually have the take the opportunity to have conversations about it. For sure. I mean, this is not an area where we can be so fearful that we are silent. We have to be willing to face those those hard conversations or lessons that are picked up that we would have preferred not. We have to be able to face them head on, clearly, honestly, openly, confidently. I think that's a big part of it, to be able to confidently say, you know, okay, buddy, I hear that you were told this thing, but this is what we believe and this is why we believe it and this is why even though you heard that from your friend or your teacher or you know a youtube video that you were exposed to that doesn't make it true um, and always being that safe place and and reinforcing that you can trust mom you can trust mom and dad you can trust your parents you can tell us anything and everything and we'll work it through together you're not in trouble for what you heard Thank you for sharing it with me, but let's talk about, you know, what we stand for and what we believe here in our family. Well, and you want your child to be courageous. You want them to be willing to stand for things they believe in, but to do that, you have to stand for them as well. You have to embrace what you know to be right and true and live it out, and that's when you have a better chance of them doing the same. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you will be asked questions that you are so uncomfortable with, Julie. Mm, yep. <laughs> and in today's world, I think they're coming like rapid fire at this point. Don't cower. Mm. Don't avoid. When they ask, you answer. You don't procrastinate because they're going to turn around and ask somebody else. Mm. 
So if they're asking you, it's time for you to answer. Honestly, age appropriate, but answer whatever their question is. And I know my daughter Lauren has had a few of these conversations with her son Brock, and in it, she has actually said, is that enough information for now? Mm. And he said, that's all I need. Mm. So he knew, and she, you know, she knew she only could take it so far because he's eight years old, but at the same time, she needed to give him what he needed. So she asked him, yeah. is that enough? And he said, yes, that's enough. Mm. And they moved on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's really smart to, to offer that. If you want more, I'll give you more. But to Bell Subia say, I'm okay with this being the stopping point. I can, s I can read Lincoln's face, and I can see if he's still thinking through something. And so I'll kind of let him sit with that for a few seconds. And then I'll say, is there another question you're thinking about? Or is there anything I haven't explained well enough for you to understand? And, and no question is off limits. But like you said, if you're good, I'm good too. And we can move on. In this conversation too, Julie, I know we, we talk about this a lot, but we sincerely mean it. We want to teach our children respect. Respect of everyone no matter their lifestyle, no matter their choices, no matter their opinions, we want them to learn how to respect and to treat everyone with dignity mm -hmm. and grace and mercy and honor them because every single human is created in God's image, not just the ones we agree with, but everyone. And we want our children to live that out as well. Yeah, which means we have to be modeling that, P.S. <laughs> so, uh, you know, shout out to a recent episode we did on how to kind of not get so divisive as the culture is kind of almost forcing us to want to be. We have to stand in the gap and say, like you're saying, this may not be what we ascribe to or believe in or want to walk in, but we can show kindness and respect. And I like that you said dignity in all circumstances, in all interactions, and teach our kids to be those kinds of kids. Something I experienced with actually both of my girls is that they just did not click with the teacher they had. Mm. They, I don't think the teacher cared for my child and my child didn't care for the teacher. It, it was not a good match. But they had to be in that class and they had to have that teacher because that was what the circumstances were at that time. It wasn't mm -hmm. like I could go, oh, we're moving her because they don't like each other. Mm -hmm. They had to learn, and I had to help, help them learn how to get along with people that you may not click with. Mm. That's really smart that you put that in here. I haven't experienced that yet, but think about it. I mean, we have to interact with people all the time that as I would say, aren't my favorite. That's, uh, that's a phrase we use in our house. You know, those, that's, that food wasn't my favorite, but I still had to eat it. Yeah. You know, this teacher isn't my favorite, but I still have to show him or her respect for the authority that they have in my life. And there's still much I can learn. And, you know, fourth grade, seventh grade, whatever is important for my life and my development. And so I will practice all of my character traits that, you know, God and my family has been instilling in me, and this will be a great opportunity for me to learn. There's something I think is often missing in education right now, and that is teaching critical thinking. Mm -hmm. Not teaching what to think, but teaching critical thinking. Mm -hmm. I went to my grandson's school presentation in the last school year, and 
You know, it was interesting because every you went from station to station, and each student gave their presentation to you, and then you scored it, and you went on. And this was about endangered animals, and I totally and completely support that. But I had listened to one boy who was talking about the Florida Panthers and how all the development is driving them out of their land, so they're ending up in Connecticut, and they can't <laughs> live in Connecticut, okay? And I'm sitting Sorry. there going, Did you, you laugh? Oh, I, you know me, Julie. I'm going, keep your mouth shut, Dar, keep your mouth shut, Dar. Nope, Dar didn't keep her mouth shut. I said, all right, I have a question. Why didn't they stop in Georgia? And he went, I don't know. And I'm like, who said they went to Connecticut? I, I don't have know. So many questions. I don't know. Wikipedia, probably. They all are in <laughs> Connecticut. But I'm going, wait a minute. You should have thought, yes, it's true. They've lost land in Florida because there are developments. There are preserves. There are, but there, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But Connecticut. <laughs> and it just, it was one of those where I went, Oh, Lord, help this generation. Because I'm like, they have to be able to not just spew information, just but they got to think. Yeah. They have to think. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's a really good example. And maybe one to even, I don't know, just to hold up in our own minds to think next time our kid has a project. I mean, to have them kind of walk it through with you and help them see if they've really filled in all of the gaps or if they have more research to do because you're right the skill of critical thinking is ultimately what will serve them the rest of their life not just their knowledge on whatever that project might be for the day it's true and i found this quote by aristotle it is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it interesting i thought that was brilliant and yeah, true that's probably a good one to actually share especially with your older kids absolutely okay so there's so much talk about when we have been talking about you know if you're fearful or maybe less confident in what your child is being taught or how the curriculum is being used or the you know influences that your child might have but your number one solution to that is to be involved not just at home but to find ways to be involved actually in their school experience now we've talked about this before that we're not the ones who are you know volunteering in the classroom all the time but in a school year's time there are opportunities for you to be around and in the classroom for an event or some interaction where you can actually get your eyes on the space and on the interactions in the classroom and, and on you know the faculty. Look for ways to actually be present in that environment so you can get a real sense of what's going on so that you can put your mind at ease or recognize where you need to be more on guard. Well, when you do that, I think the best thing you can do is be your child's academic advocate. Mm -hmm. You want to be the one that helps them through this learning process, not just the content of what they're learning to make sure that it is something that you feel good about and that you know they'll grow from, but also their learning style, their ability to learn, their strengths, their weaknesses. And if you have to go in and fight for them, mm -hmm. do it. Absolutely do it, because you're the only one who really will. You're the one who will make sure your child's getting what they need and not things they don't. Yeah, and I, and I feel like in my short experience so far, school age, when I've had a conversation with Lincoln's teacher, if I had a concern, it's amazing how much more interaction I get back from the teacher 
after just making that first step. I think some teachers are waiting to see if the parent wants to be involved. And then they're way more interactive and engaging back and forth with whatever specific concern you might have with your kid. But when they have a classroom of, you know, 14 to 24 kids, I could see teachers waiting to see which parents care, which parents want to know what's going on, because I'll put my time, my very limited time, in engaging with those parents. So it very might well be that your teacher isn't looking to be the first one to reach out, but if you engage him or her, they'll make the time available. So oh, I think it, you maybe just have to go first. That's so true, Julie, and I do believe the majority of teachers aren't doing this job because it's easy right. or because it pays a lot right, because right. neither one are generally true. Yeah. They're doing it because they actually want to teach kids. And if they can partner with a parent, mm -hmm. they want to. They want a good partner to help that child achieve everything they can. So you're right. We want you to remember that you are the parent. There's no one in your child's life, even as you begin this school year, that has the same influence and impact in their lives that you do. There's no teacher, there's no curriculum, there's no classmate, there's no school structure like what you are. You're the only one that has this relationship. So hold on to that, build it, stay in touch with your child as they begin this school year. Dar, you found a great Gandhi quote that I think kind of summarizes that, so let's share that here. There is no school equal to a decent home and no teacher equal to a virtuous parent. And I hope that can be an encouragement that sticks with us and kind of helps guide our intentions as we kick off a new school year. I hope that you recognize that it's a privilege and an opportunity to be that virtuous parent. Now, you're going to mess up. Probably today, just saying. Um, <laughs> and so am I, by the way. Darlene, maybe not so much because she's not in the active phase of parenting as well. So good job, you. You'll have yeah, more good days. Yeah, but I could reach you on and go, it's okay if you mess up because I did it a lot. It's kind of where our intentions are, where our motives are. And when we, when we set out to purposefully do these things, we will have success. And so we're here to say, you can do this at the start of another school year, here's some simple, practical, relatable, but easy-to-use tools that you can put in your mom bag, you know, if it's an over-the-shoulder or <laughs> a fanny pack or a big old freaking diaper bag like I'm rocking these days, put it in your bag and use them in your very best way to partner with your kids this year. Well, and I want to uh, bring this Bible verse in because the truth is you don't ultimately care if your child is an A student or you know, slamming through algebra or whatever it is, that's not your goal in life. This is, and it comes from 3 John 4, I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. So true. So here's to another school year full of grit and grace. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life. Make sure you've subscribed and rated and reviewed the show so more friends can find us. You can also share about this episode on your social media or send it to a friend you think it could help. You can find everything we talked about in this episode on our website, gritandgracelife.com, where you'll also find plenty of other articles from other women answering questions you may have.